Hi, I'm Mark Lesser, and I am about to have a very productive conversation with Mike Vardy. Welcome to A Productive Conversation. It's me, Mike Vardy, and on this episode, I'm joined by Mark Lesser. He's a CEO, an executive coach, and a Zen teacher. He is also the author of the book that we're going to dive into today, Finding Clarity. I'm really excited to have this conversation because I believe clarity, you know, is one of the biggest things you need to lead a productive lifestyle. Now, Mark's got credentials that speak volumes. He founded and was CEO of three companies, has an MBA degree from New York University, and Finding Clarity is his fifth book. Mark also helped develop the Search Inside Yourself program within Google. It's a mindfulness-based emotional intelligence training for leaders, and that's spread through Silicon Valley and then globally. And Mark was a resident of the San Francisco Zen Center for 10 years. Uh, if you know anything about that place or done any research, you know that that is a prestigious place to be. I'm really excited that I was able to have this conversation with Mark today. We talked about clarity, of course, uh, unconventional anchors that can help you find clarity, the role the ego plays in good heartedness, the trap that people fall into, breakdowns into breakthroughs, the idea of doing that, so much more. Let's get into this conversation now with Mark Lesser here on A Productive Conversation. Enjoy. Mark, thanks so much for taking the time to join me today and have a very productive conversation. Yeah, I like, you know... We were just chatting a little bit about, um, you know, productivity and this combination, I think, of um, I was just writing a little bit about scale and depth and and how uh, scale can often be chasing those shiny objects. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and we love those shiny objects and, and they're beautiful, you know, but there is something there is something about depth and we do need both. You know, we do need both. And it's interesting uh, and it's one of the things I, I think about a lot. Well, you can scale wide and you can scale deep, right? Like, I think that's, that's it. And I think a lot of people go. focus on go. the, on the wide, wide, as opposed to the depth, right? Which is, and, and as I look at your book, which I have in my hands, uh, finding clarity, not, I think that's a jumping off point for a lot of this going deep because, um, there's this, uh, you know, clarity and awareness perspective, like all those things, which are kind of soft skills that we maybe don't take as much time to get into, um, can really help us, you know, improve our relationship with time, cultivate a state of productiveness. So when it comes to finding clarity, like what led you down the path of saying, this is an area that I want to explore that I want to go deep on. Yeah. You know, it started out as writing about, I was, I was writing about accountability and compassion and accountability. And someone said to me, what is this? What, what's, what are you really writing about? What's the real upshot of, of accountability with compassion? And I said, it's really about finding clarity. And that, um, you know, our language, our language has real limitations. Um, you know, to me, uh, clar- clarity in a way is, is like a combination of many things, right? You can't, it's not just scale and it's not just depth. It's not, you know, to me, clarity also includes mystery, includes what we're not clear about, what mm. we don't, what we don't know. It's aspirational, right? Um, you might be clear right now, but how about now in this next, in this <laughs> next moment? It's true. <laughs> like, Things change. Things, things, things do change. You know, we, um, 
yeah, what what transitions am I in? What what do I feel solid about right now? And what what's transitioning in in my life? You know what? Um, so all of that, I think I, I take this kind of wide perspective on this aspirational view of of what clarity is. You know, it it's something that I find people struggle with um, in that not that they don't desire clarity. It's the ability to sit with it. Mm-hmm. It's the ability, because we live in a world that's about move forward progress, right? It's about we can't just, and to me, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, clarity isn't like, if you're in motion, well, it's like anything else. Like I was on a train from Lisbon to Porto with my wife a few weeks ago as we're recording this, and um, clarity was not something that I could necessarily have looking at the window because we're, we were in motion. So how does someone who's, who wants to find clarity reconcile the fact that they, in order to find it, and they have to stay with it to a degree? Yeah, yeah. This is the great paradox, I think, of clarity is that the practice is noticing the gaps between, you know, where you are and what you want to be clear about, right? And, and, and that is, I think, almost by definition, um, not so comfortable, right? So right. There's some, there is some discomfort. And, and how do you stay with that discomfort and neither avoid it neither push it away or pretend it's not there or get all, you know, emotional about it. How do you, how do you actually stay with it? And, and this to me, you know, there's a, um, you know, this is one of, uh, (laughs) there's a, uh, a 30 year old book or at least 30 years old, uh, called the fifth discipline Mm -hmm. by Peter Senge. And I remember coming across this line that I highlighted, you know, where he says, um, the most important quality of a leader might be not avoiding the discomfort between the gaps of what is and what we are aspiring to, to be or aspiring to do. Um, I thought this was a beautiful, this really stayed with me about, you know, again, whether it's leadership, grow, you know, growing businesses, entrepreneurship, or, or even relationships, our personal relationships, like, like what is right? What is and and what needs tending to? What needs development in in all parts of our lives? And to me, this is the practice, right? The practice of finding clarity is noticing the gaps between those things. Well, and to your point, I mean, you mentioned the word practice. It's it's very similar to things like meditation, journaling, all of those, exercise, any of those. Is the practice is the progress. It's the process. It's all that as opposed to, I think people really want to be able to check off a box. I meditated, check, I exercised, but there, you're not done. Like there's no being done, right? Yeah, right. I'm clear, right? Like I, I always love, you know, I, I, uh, I, I, I've done a lot of different trainings and workshops in my life, you know, and often they start by people and you know, uh, introducing themselves and what their current positions are. But part of the reality is that we're all, we're all in motion, you know, just like you're on the train, you know, we're all on the train, right? We're all, we're all in motion in some way, 
you know, I, I might be the CEO of a company today and I'm clear this is my role, but it doesn't mean I'm not wondering like, okay, like what's next in my life or what, you know, where, where are we going as a company? And, and gee, I, the strategy, we had this really great, clear strategy, but things have changed. And I now need to meet, I now need to meet where I am now in my life. I now need to meet where I am in my company. So this is this great, uh, yeah, the process, the process of finding clarity, the process of noticing the gaps, feeling the discomfort, and and enjoying but enjoying the ride too yeah yeah you know um one thing i've been thinking about as i was going through the book um you talk about the gaps you talk about curiosity which we'll get to in a second um but this this idea of okay so finding clarity there must be some anchors that can help like things things that you can i'm not going to say rely on but cultivate so you talk about like we like the the tending of the garden right like i mean where i live um if you're not weeding consistently then you won't weed because they'll just get out of control and then you will just let the garden go right yeah. whereas if so you're again this is a practice to it hey every day like when i'm out barbecuing i will pull some weeds because hey i don't want to deal with 43 weeds i'd rather deal with three of them right or five of them even or whatever i can handle so my question is you know, routine ritual, like, are these things that can be considered anchors? Like what, and, and maybe even to a, a further degree, what are some unconventional anchors that people can use to find clarity? Yeah. The, the one that I think is of parallel to your, your metaphor about weeding is uh, what I sometimes call the no festering rule, right? So in, in relationship, whenever things, whenever there's something not quite aligned, when, when you notice there's an ouch, your feelings are hurt, there's some discomfort, to not, to not, those, those small things will get bigger and bigger if you don't, if you don't tend to them. Those are like the weeds, the weeds in our relationships. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, uh, maybe unlike, maybe unlike the, the weeds in, in our garden, we, or maybe, you know, we don't have to tend to every one of them, but we need to pay attention and we need to make decisions. And it's probably a good practice, you know, is, and, and a lot of, a lot of this book really, you know, and when we talk about accountability, it's dealing more skillfully with conflict. Right. Um, right. So there's, you know, we started out talking about the discomfort of all the, the transitions that we're in. But the, the the subsets of those, the often the the real uh, the real meat of those is is our inner conflicts, but really our conflicts in so much of what we're doing is with other with other those darn other people, you know. Well, but we but we we need those other people. We rely on those other people again, whether it's in our personal lives or our business lives. There, there's that leads me to a really interesting and it'll circle back to curiosity because I'm a big fan of Ted Lasso. I love watching. I'm not alone. There's a lot of people that love that show. But I remember when I was going through the book, like be curious, not furious. I was thinking about that scene. I don't know if you've seen Ted Lasso, but oh, yeah. this, this, the dart scene where, you know, he's made a bet with the, the, the owner's ex-husband Rupert and the line, the, uh, the quote from Walt Whitman, be curious, not judgmental. And it, to me, as we're talking, I was thinking about like the the antagonist in the scene, Rupert, was so focused on the next thing that he didn't 
he, he wasn't curious enough, which led Ted to be able to say, hey, if you had asked me these questions, I would have been able to tell you this and you wouldn't have entered this bet. And Ted Lasso, I think as, a, as an example, is somebody who helps with his team as a character practice mm-hmm. compassionate accountability. It, yes. So, so I loved it. Like, let's, let's dig into that a little bit because it's such a fascinating, and that's why he's such an endearing character to me. Yeah. Well, I, you know, as you were saying that I was, I was thinking that I think one of the reasons that he's such an endearing character is because he has a good heart. Mm. He brings good heartedness to, to competition to winning and he he and what he might be lacking in what we think of as conventional expertise or experience he he shows the how much leverage there is in good heartedness even when it comes to things like winning mm-hmm. or competitiveness um so super interesting in that way how we're all i think we're all drawn to that that kind of you know, again, it's almost like a way of being, and and a like how how can we how can we bring um, good heartedness into our work and our lives? And I think, you know, in some way, the the role of a leader is to help bring, and which he does. Again, he brings out the good heartedness in others, even the you know all of the we get to see all of the gaps, the lack of good heart, or the there there is the deception. And and he he just meet he just is meeting it all with his own good heart, and transforming it transforming it in very positive ways. He's great a great role model that way. And he also surrounds himself with people who know the game better than he yes. does. Everybody uh-huh. else in that room knows the game more than he does. Yes, and he's okay with that. So how and that's that's ego casting aside ego. What role do you think ego plays? either in the, um, in, in a positive or negative way. Cause it, I think it, I mean, again, we can't discount the ego. It's part of it when it comes to this concept of not only compassionate accountability, but also like the ability to find clarity. Yeah. Well, I think again, he's a model. I think of someone who has such a strong ego that he can let go of his ego, right? right. This is, again, I think this is a, a core practice um, right. That, that kind of conf, you have to have enough confidence to be humble. You have to have enough confidence in yourself to surround yourself by people who are more skilled and knowledgeable than you are. Right. Well, and then the other thing is, is in his personal life, he's not as confident. Like he's definitely more. So we, we're, what is, we're, we're all multitudes, right? So knowing that, um, Let's let's dig in a little bit more because there's this quote that I love that I've used a lot. Thomas Merton, clarity affords focus. Why do people seemingly cast aside clarity and try to focus without being clear first? Like in your in your work, you've seen this. What what is the the trap that people fall into? Yes, the trap of ego. It's the trap of. You know, it's interesting in, in my, uh, you know, my, my last book was called Seven Practices of a Mindful Leader. Mm-hmm. And, the, uh, and the third practice is don't be an expert. And now I've often had to clarify that, of course, when it comes to, you know, my auto mechanic or my dentist or my surgeon, I want expertise. But it's in this, it's just like what you were saying. 
it's in the realm of human emotions and human relationships. Again, whether at work or not at work, there's no expertise there. We're all, we're, we all have to be open and learning about this realm of relationship, this realm of, of human, the human heart. Uh, again, this is, I think, one of the most, um, important qualities of you know of a leader or even any any human right so it's interesting that that in in ted lasso that we get to see you know his life is a bit of a mess mm -hmm. um and whose life isn't really i mean you know <laughs> true <laughs> um let's talk about listening uh we had uh, uh oscar oscar Trimboli on the show before we'll link to that episode in the show notes and he, you know about deep listening and in the book, you talk about the role of listening. Can we, I think, again, we we don't spend enough time doing that. And I'd like to hear your thoughts as to why. And then secondly, why it's important and what role listening plays in the, you know, especially the work that you do in, in, in relationship to the book. Yeah. Well, I, I think of, you know, uh, I used to do a lot of uh, mindfulness trainings with engineers, Google engineers, engineers in all kinds of big companies. And, um, and, and in the work that I would do, they would sometimes say they needed to take their game faces off in order to practice, you know, mindfulness and emotional intelligence. And I think there's a sense that we're trained to be smart or we're trained to have the an all the answers. Right we're not trained to listen, right? We're, there's not a kind of training to, to step back and, and be curious about, you know, what, what are other, what do other people have to contribute? Are there other ways to look at this? Might, might the way I'm looking at this not be the only way or even the best way? So again, I think this is that same question of, um, habit and ego and fear can get in the way of, of, listening, the practice of listening. Um, yeah. And that it, again, it, it, in a, in a paradoxical way, it takes a certain confidence, a certain kind of ego strength to actually let go of our own ego and be, uh, be a really curious, uh, and to listen with scale and depth, right. To listen right. widely and, and deeply. So, I want to shift gears for a minute and talk about the role of will in this. Okay. So there's been a lot of talk about willpower, you know, it doesn't exist. It doesn't work, et cetera. It's actually interesting. I was watching the green lantern movie again, which is not a great movie, but I think it's better than people give it credit for. <laughs> and I was specifically, um, pleased, I guess, to realize that they didn't mention the term willpower. They mentioned will. So like the Green Lantern's ring is powered by will, not willpower. And I, I realize that there is definitely a distinction as far as I'm concerned, and, and I don't think I'm alone, in, in will and willpower. So when it comes to the stuff that you're talking about in the book, the idea of, you know, again, compassionate, especially compassionate accountability, because there has to be, I would imagine there has to be a will or a willingness to do that. How does someone cultivate that so that it, I wouldn't say it's second nature, but the the uh, propensity to fall down is mm -hmm. lower because of the the strength of will to make it happen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's interesting the word will. Um, you know, I was thinking of connected to that is uh, 
for me, I like the word um, ambition. Sure. Like, like, like I'm, I'm a big proponent of whether you call it will or ambition or high motivation, right? To me to, um, and, and again, this is like, I want people who are highly motivated to solve problems. Mm-hmm. I want people who are highly motivated even to access one's open heart, right? It, and, and even, you know, in, you know, I, I also, in addition to a business person and entrepreneur, I'm a meditation teacher. And I describe that it takes a certain will or ambition and motivation to actually have a meditation practice, right? right? To, 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 to clear the decks from the stream of activity and busyness and noise to actually sit down in a quiet place, even for a few minutes. But once you enter that space, that's a time to let go of one's ambition. And so this is so interesting that it takes, it takes, I think, that kind of will or ambition to be able to stop. But once you're there, let it go. Right. Like, like be willing, be willing to put yourself in a space of where you don't know what's going to happen, where you can train yourself to let go of getting anything. What, like, to me, the practice of one of the ways that I think about meditation and even listening to a certain extent is like, what does it feel like? If there's nothing lacking or nothing missing for me right now, how is how is that? How does that show up? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, this because is, this is a kind of listening. Well, yeah, yeah and, and the idea of if you're ambitious is it's hard to cast that aside when you're like everything's fine right now, right? Like everything's good. Right. And, you know, right. Fine's not even the right word, but everything's good. Well, wait a minute, but I'm ambitious. Shouldn't I want more? But do we? Do you? Does it? Like, I mean, it's it's such a again the multitudes aspect. <laughs> it's another thing that's interesting and, and is the idea of turning breakdowns into breakthroughs. I think a lot, I think what can happen, I know it, I can actually give you a, a, an example that's happened recently. Um, and by the time this is recording, this will have happened, but both of my team members that were uh, part of my team um, in May are no longer on the team. They both, you know, they had other opportunities and, and so on and so forth. And, it happened within, I kid you not, a two-week span of each other. So we went from having Mike and his team to Mike and Keith, who's producing this episode. <laughs> and that's the team. And it was, I could tell you that my, I wonder, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, but my, I would say my reaction a few years ago would have been, I need a drink. Or I need, or, 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 or a knee-jerk reaction to try to fix the problem in that mm-hmm. moment. But mm-hmm. I'm now, whether it's wisdom, maturity, a combination of those things, or even just an ability to, or a willingness to sit with something. Um, mm-hmm. I have done, I, as of right now, I have done nothing mm-hmm. other than sit with it and slowly examine it. Not even deliberately, like let's make a list or just, I'm just letting it percolate. Mm-hmm. And I wonder that that to me sounds a lot like turning what could be a breakdown into a breakthrough. I think there's part of that there. I'd love to for you to expand on that. Yeah, I mean it's interesting. Um, <laughs> I, I'm reminded of a similar episode in my life. You know, I was I was CEO founder of a publishing company many years ago, and I can remember feeling relaxed about oh I really had a good team, 
And and it was like similar to what you're saying. It was like a, a Monday morning and suddenly my team started disappearing. You know, one of my key people said, oh, you know, um, my father's my father's not feeling well and I've got to move back to the East Coast. And anyway, I, I my, my team in one day kind of fell apart. Now, I think I wasn't in the same kind of relaxed position because I, I needed to replace I needed right. to replace them. But having said that, you know, there was, I think part of the lesson was kind of accepting change, accepting things in this case, in both of our cases, I think sometimes these things are not within our control. Right. And then it's like, okay, what can I learn from this? What do I need to do? You know, oh, this this is this is a transition. This is a learning. You know, it might it might be hard, uh, but the, again, it's that uh, coming back to what we were saying earlier about our relationship with change and the and and I I kind of got from you that there's maybe some discomfort there. Oh yeah, but you, yeah, yeah. But you weren't. <laughs> but, but but I feel like you're neither you're neither overreacting. You're not beating yourself up, and you're not underreacting. You're not you know, kind of suppressing that this, that this is happening, that this is happening. And now what, now what, you know, um, we talked earlier about, you know, being in perpetual motion, the train, all that stuff. It brings me back. And I know I've brought up, uh, you know, one scripted television show. I'm going to talk about a movie real quick here that I just watched not too long ago. I'm sure some listeners out there watched the movie air, the new one that, that, that Ben Affleck directed about the Michael Jordan story. I don't know if you've seen it at all yet. I just saw it. Okay. So there's a scene and spoiler alert. Uh, Michael, Michael Jordan did sign with Nike, um, <laughs> but uh, there's a point where the Matt Damon's character and Ben Affleck who played Phil Knight, um, Matt Damon is waiting for Phil to return and he comes back and he's wearing his running gear. And uh, at the, the, the ultimate end of it was Phil decided, yeah, we're going to put all of our dedicate, all of our resources to signing Michael and uh, Matt Damon's character, I think his name is Sonny, went, what, what helped you come to that decision? Because it didn't sound like you were going to go that way. He goes, I went for a run. Mm-hmm. So this, now remember, 1984, 85, he could have had a Walkman on. I don't remember seeing him in the scene doing that. Um, sometimes motion can help with clarity. Sometimes getting moving can help with that. So I'd love to hear something, because that was the other thing I, I didn't do it yesterday cause I was in the middle of some stuff, but that was, that is a, a reaction. I normally, that's something I will do is like, let's go for a walk. Let's get moving. But with nothing between my, on my ears, other than what's in my head. That's right. I mean, th- I do remember that scene from the movie and, and it was like, I think the message I think was, I, I, I went to the place where I could clear my mind and, and, think I could think differently, mm-hmm. right? I could get out, this was, I could get in my own way. And, and that was so brilliant in that we, we now see in retrospect, how brilliant, you know, that decision was, and that he was against it, right? He was, he, he did a, you know, a 180 degree turnaround from what he thought he had decided to now he had become convinced of this, uh, uh, of this strategy. Yeah, I. It's funny. I had a, um, a a similar situation recently where I was being asked to consult on a on a strategy, and I was very clear about what what I thought, and then so, somehow you know reality intervened. Mm-hmm. You know, we 
we started we started experimenting with something that I really thought was a bad idea. Very similar in a way, I think, to to that. But like it's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I, you know, I need to let go of you know. E- e- ego can be a very dangerous thing when it when it comes to um, our decisions, you know, important decisions about direction and strategy, mm-hmm. right? Like, and I think this was the message here was I'm going. I went for a walk and I could let go of my, you know, my my ego, my point of view, and man, we're we're now aligned. Well, it, um, it, and it, interestingly, I think the other thing that that I take away from again, finding and not and gaining clarity, like all of that stuff is it's not, you don't have to sit and meditate for three, three days to get, you don't have to go on a retreat. You could, do, you could go for a walk. You could go for a run. You could do, it does involve a pause for sure. I would imagine, or a stop. Like, I mean, but I mean, to the, the, what happened with Phil Knight is to, you mentioned he was in his space to do that. So that was almost like a pause, like a run for him right. is that pause right. for people who live in a world, which is a lot of us where progress is always about not stopping, keep going, move forward. Um, what do you say to the person that's listening to this right now? That's saying, I don't have time to take a, take a breath, let alone, let, let alone, you know, because not all clarity I would imagine is from like just dead silence. That's not what it is. So I'd love to, let's, can we dig into that a little bit? Yeah. It's, it's a story that I tell in my book. It's Mm -hmm. the, um, the, the question that I'm most asked by Google engineers is what is the least amount of time I can meditate and have it make a difference? And, and my, you know, and I think the question from them came from a science. It was they wanted to know what science had to say, but they also were just curious, like you know, like I don't have time for this. Yeah. And and my response came to be one breath, but one one breath with full awareness every day, you know. And 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 I think I think when it comes to these, you know, these stopping practices. Start with one breath, literally, or like one minute or three. Like, I think everyone can find enough time for certainly for a breath or a minute or two. But really, you know, uh, mindfulness practice or it, it's, it doesn't mean you have to slow down. Right. Um, it's, it's really bringing, bringing the, these, you know, bringing awareness, you know, it, right in the midst of whatever we're doing, whatever, the, whatever the pace is, but we do need to, it is the practice of noticing what you're feeling, noticing what you're thinking, being, having enough space to be curious about what's happening around you, even if the train's moving pretty fast. Mark, this has been a great conversation. Thanks for, for joining me. The book is called Finding Clarity. Where can people pick up the book, and where can they keep up with the work you're doing? A book can be found anywhere. You know, anywhere books are sold. Uh, it's out in some bookstores now, which I'm pleased about. And my website, you can find out about my work. It's marklesser.net. M-A-R-C-L-E-S-S-E-R.net. Lots of um, writing and talks, and lots of, lots of information on my website. And appreciate um, having this time with you. Thanks again for having a productive conversation with me today, Mark.
Big thanks to Mark for joining me today on the program. You can find all of the related material that we discussed, links, takeaways, all that fun stuff in the show notes at productivityist.com slash podcast 486. And if you want to support the show, there are a couple of ways that you can do that right out of the gate. And I'm going to give you a third special way to support the work that I do in general. So first off, if you want to support the show, check out our sponsors at productivityist.com slash podcast sponsors. Some of the ones you heard today will be listed on that page. And if you check out what they offer, they'll know that I sent you there. Secondly, subscribe to the show. That way you don't miss a single episode of What's to Come. It's easy to do whatever podcast app you're using right now, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, what have you. Just subscribe to the show. That way you don't miss a single episode and you can choose to listen to the ones that really resonate with you and then the ones that don't, you know, just don't. That's fine. And finally, here's that bonus way you can support the work that I do, which includes the podcast. Just subscribe to my email newsletter. In fact, when you do that, there's free goodies that you'll get. I have right now, as we're listening to this, I have a time crafting starter kit. I also have a daily planning sheet called the daily driver. All you need to do is visit productivityist.com slash attention, subscribe, and you'll be good to go. You'll get lots of great content weekly from me. Uh, my writing is the thing that I, I really enjoy doing and I'd love to share it with you. So there you go. Three ways that you can support the show and keep the productive conversation going. That's it for this episode. Until next time, I'm Mike Vardy, the host of A Productive Conversation, reminding you to stop doing productive and start being productive. See you later.